This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! It's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Welcome to episode number 76 of Brewers on Tap. I'm Lane Grindle. Good to have you with us as the 2017 season is officially underway. And this week we're going to talk with COO of the Brewers, Rick Schlesinger, GM of the Brewers, David Stearns, and Brewers reliever, Corey Knable. The Colorado Rockies in town. Opening day, the crew fell behind early, but erupted for a five spot in the fifth inning to take a 5-4 to four lead. It was a doubles innings. Jonathan Villar with a double, Eric Thames with a double, Travis Shaw with his second double of the day, and the Brewers took a 5-4 to four lead at that point. Unfortunately, the lead didn't hold, and the Rockies prevailed 7-5. to five. The other tough news of the day was the injury in the bottom of the third inning to opening day starter Junior Guerra. The right-hander put down a bunt, strained his right calf running out of the batter's box, and he's now on the 10-day DL, and this could be a bit lengthier stint than originally thought. Manager Craig Council telling the media on Tuesday that Guerra is likely out six weeks at least. As a result, Brent Suter was called up and gives the Brewers another lefty, along with Tommy Malone, who is now, by the way, scheduled to start in the place of Junior Guerra on Saturday at Miller Park against the Cubs. On Tuesday's game, kind of a similar situation. The Brewers did strike first in the bottom of the second inning, but then a four spot put up by the Rockies in the top of the third against Zach Davies. Brewers would scratch and claw and get their way themselves back into this game. Two runs in the fourth, surrendering two runs in the fifth, two more in the sixth, and would trail 6-5 to five going into the later innings and were unable to get anything across and fall in game number two of the 2017 season by a score of 6 to five. Travis Shaw, two more doubles on Tuesday. He has four doubles already in the 2017 campaign. Also on display on opening day was not just this new look Brewers lineup, but the new food and beverage experience at Miller Park. And we break it down with COO Rick Schlesinger. Let's break it down. Rick Schlesinger is our guest here on the podcast. Uh, opening day, always such a special day. Yesterday, no exception to that. Uh, a lot of fun to to get baseball back in Milwaukee once again. And, and I talked to you about a year ago on this day, the day following opening day, to kind of look back on everything that goes into it. There is a lot of planning and a lot of staffing and everything else that goes into getting ready for that day. Well, Lane, there's you know certainly a lot of, of attention by the fans, the media, you know, by everybody in opening day as, as well as there should be. Uh, but, you know, we're planning not only for one game and for, you know, all the home games. And uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of stress, but uh, this is what we're in baseball for. It's, you know, the six months of the offseason goes by very quickly, and it's nice to be playing baseball. It's nice to see green grass in Milwaukee, and despite the dreary weather. 
uh, and it's fun. It's exciting, exciting young team, and uh, the future's bright, and it's fun to be part of something at the ground floor. Were the exhibition games nice, too, to kind of have a soft opening, so to speak, of getting ready for 2017? You know, the exhibition games are great, you know, not just for the front office, but for the players. A lot of new faces have never played at Miller Park, and obviously navigating how the roof works and, you know, fly balls in the air. And just it's always good for the players to have some test games. But for us in particular, this offseason was great to have the exhibition games because of the new food and beverage renovation. You know, we are launching a completely new uh, type of atmosphere here for food and beverages and, uh, you know, a lot of new concession stands, completely new format, new footprint. So it was great to get two games in our belt to work out some of the kinks. And there will be kinks, but uh, having those two games was very beneficial to us. Yeah, able to learn a lot about patterns and flow and staffing concerns moving forward, I'm sure, by having those. Okay, opening day is behind us. The concessions uh, have been renovated, and, and what a tremendous job the front office has done in working through all of that. And you're now getting feedback. What are, what are some of the things people like about the new concessions and the new options that they have? Well, I think the feedback's been very good. We had a little bit of struggles in the first exhibition game with, with crowds, and it's you know we just underestimated how many people were in the building, and that's a, a lesson for us to learn. For opening day, I think it went very well. Obviously, some concession stands were particularly crowded. Uh, you know, the two field-level bars were crowded, as we expected. Uh, A.J. Bomber's burgers are very popular, as we expected. So, you know, it's a question of just, you know, managing, uh, making sure the operations are great. We want to make sure the quality of the food is good. We want to make sure it's very hot when it's supposed to be hot. We want to make sure the beer is cold when it's cold. And, and just working through things, uh, you know, every little detail has to be done right. And, and uh, again, I think we did well for the first game. I think we'll improve. And, you know, the goal is, you know, to, to really make it a great, uniformly fantastic dining experience for everybody. And we're going to get there. So a few glitches, but otherwise, I overall, I'm pleased. I get the opportunity to travel to a lot of different ballparks and, and see what other teams do, obviously. And the one thing that always stands out to me and the thing that I look for when I'm kind of grading the ballpark experiences, I want to feel like I'm in that city when I'm in that ballpark. I don't want it to feel sterile, like you could pick it up and put it in any city and it would it would remain the same. And that's what I love so much about Miller Park. You can sit in your seats and, and you have Bernie's slide, you have uh, Bob's home run call uh, that lights up in left field as well. There's all these things that make you feel like, hey, I'm I'm at Miller Park, I'm in Milwaukee. And the food part of it is a big part of that. And, boy, I, I just think you guys really captured Milwaukee with what you guys did from a food and beverage standpoint. I mean, that was the goal, correct? Yeah, we wanted to go local. We wanted to make it, you know, an, a place where people felt like this tastes like home. And we've got a lot of fan favorites. So you're going to have your Miller Lights. You're going to have your cheese, a lot of items of cheese. This is a big cheese and beer crowd and as well as it should be. This is America's Dairyland, and this is where beer making is at its finest. So, you know, we obviously want to appeal to the local tastes of our fans. We want to appeal to the brands that our fans are comfortable with. So it's A.J. Bombers, Zafiro's Pizza, Holy Moly Donuts, and Coffee. Uh, we want to make sure that fans come in here, recognize the foods, and, and are comfortable with it. And, again, they don't want it to have, be generic. They want it to be local, fresh, and great quality. Well, welcome to another season, Rick. It should be a lot of fun. Thank you for giving us some time to talk about all the changes at Miller Park. Thanks, Lane. The concessions at Miller Park are now second to none in Major League Baseball. And if you're looking to make it out to a game soon, you'll understand exactly why. You really need to come and see and taste it all for yourself. Okay, last Friday, I sat down with Brewers GM David Stearns a couple of days before he'd officially lock in 
the Brewers' 2017 opening day roster. And just a reminder, when you lock that thing in, it's only final for one day, which was April 3rd, and we found that out right away because Junior Guerra went on the 10-day DL, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, and Brent Suter was promoted from AAA Colorado Springs before Colorado Springs had even played a game as minor league games get underway on Thursday. So, with all that being said, we still sat down with David Stearns right before they'd locked in the roster for our monthly installment of the David Stearns Show. Braun sends it to left center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go on again for Ryan Braun. He just hit another three-run shot out of here. Time to catch up with the crew. Hello again and welcome to yet another edition of the David Stern Show, our second edition of the 2017 season. Spring training is essentially complete and we're ready for opening day, which is always an exciting time. Let's revisit spring training a little longer this year because of the WBC. What was this experience like for you? It's always a different team with a different story. What, what was this spring like for you, kind of spring number two as the GM of the crew? Different team, different story, same goals. I think every time we go into spring training, our goals are to get out of there healthy and with a positive energy and a positive outlook going into the season. We were able to accomplish that. It was a little bit longer this year. We tried to use that time as a benefit for us, um, as some extra time for guys to work. We had a couple players getting accustomed to new positions, a couple players getting accustomed to new roles. And so the extra week, week and a half down there was, was put to good use. As the Cactus League season wraps up and then, of course, come to Miller Park for a couple of exhibition games before opening day, you get down to the tough part of spring where you're making a lot of tough decisions. How different is this year compared to last year in terms of the decisions you're having to make? Are there more of those, less of those than where you were at a year ago? There's a greater familiarity this year, not only among the players, but uh, between my staff and myself, between our coaching staff and our front office. We've all gone through this once before. Uh, we all know how we value players, how we look at players slightly differently. And so it's probably made my job a little bit easier uh, this time around because I, I understand how our various evaluators and our, our various uh, decision makers within the front office evaluate players. And so that's been uh, helpful for me. Clearly, we have a couple decisions left to go here and, and we're, we're, uh, we're working down to, to really the last minute when we can submit rosters. Um, but it's been, a, uh, it, it's been a positive discussion, and, and we'll see where we end up. The mantra, if you will, the motto has been acquire, develop, retain. Uh, that, that's been an ongoing theme since you took over as general manager. And the acquire part, specifically acquire young, controllable talent. Are you getting to a phase now where it's, it's a little bit more about acquiring now um, because you feel like you've stocked up that, that minor league system? I, you can never have enough. That's I, right. I get that. But do you feel like that's in a place now where you can start to change that goal just a little bit? So I don't know that we're ever going to be at a phase uh, within our organization where we can stop talking about acquiring, developing, and retaining. Yeah. That, that's a, a constant goal of ours. It's um, really the mantra for, for our front office and, and how we look at each and every decision. Having said that, we do uh, turn the dial a little bit. If on one end of the dial you have uh, a team that's entirely looking for that young talent for the future, and on the other end of the dial you have a, a team that is um, acquiring talent exclusively for now and for this year, um, we do have to look to turn the dial when, when it's appropriate. We did that some in the offseason with acquisitions like Eric Thames with acquisitions like Travis Shaw players that potentially can help us now 
and into the future. Uh, so when we can make acquisitions like that, we will certainly look to do so. A lot of competition in this camp, and starting pitching certainly was one of those. And Craig always talks about it. You've talked about it, too. These things have a way of working themselves yep. out. Matt Garza goes on the 10-day DL, which opens up a spot, potentially, and now Chase Anderson's going to slide into there. And Tommy Malone is going to pitch out of the bullpen. Those things have been announced in the last 24 hours or so. So how comfortable are you with this rotation as it is now and, and moving forward? We're comfortable, and I think we're comfortable because we have that depth. We have mm -hmm. seven uh, players, including Matt, who, who's on the DL right now, who we think um, can fit into that rotation. Um, we can mix and match as, as we see fit. And then we also have the depth behind them in AAA with a, a lot of prospects, um, some guys who have major league experience who are going to begin the year in AAA. So it's a good group. It's a good mix. Uh, we'll, we'll start out with Junior Gare on, on Monday afternoon, and I'm excited about that. And uh, I think we have a nice balance throughout our entire rotation, one through five right now. As you started dissecting the bullpen and, and sliding guys into, and, and, and not that you put them into roles concrete and they have to stay there, yep. but kind of envisioning them in different spots of the game or when you can bring them in, what were the things going through your mind and how difficult are these final couple of decisions that you're having to make? Uh, they're challenging. Um, you, know, you, you want to... You want to put the best 25 men on, on, the, on the field that you can on, on opening day. We also understand that it's a roster for exactly one day and that we, yeah. we often have changes immediately right. after that as we did last yeah. year. We made a couple of changes in our, in our pitching staff and our bullpen that first week or 10 days. So that can happen again. Um, certainly they're challenging conversations when you have uh, with players who are literally the last guy or two sent down at the end of camp. But these guys understand they've all been through it before. Uh, players go up and down, and uh, we're going to need the vast majority of them to contribute throughout the year. Yeah, that's the point, is some of these guys may not be standing and coming out of the dugout and waving to the crowd on April 3rd, but if they're one of the last guys sent out, there's a pretty good chance at some point you're going to need them over the course of the year. I, I'm sure that's part of your message to them, right? That, that's unquestionably part of the message. Um, sometimes it's difficult to hear that the day or two before opening day when you're sent down. Um, but last year we went through 50 players here. And this year, we're probably going to need to go through a similar number. And a lot of the guys that we've seen during spring training, a lot of the guys uh, who we've sent down over the past couple of weeks are going to be coming back up here uh, in the not-too-distant future. We saw that last year. We saw that with three guys who we sent down during camp, ended up being three of our most productive major leaguers throughout the course of the year, and Junior Guerra, Zach Davies, and Hernan Perez. So we're, we're, we're not immune to bringing these guys back um, when the need arises and when they prove that they're ready. One of the big stories this spring has been Jesus Aguilar, the slugging first baseman claimed off waivers from the Indians in the offseason and had one of the best springs of anybody in Major League Baseball this past spring and really slugged his way onto this roster. Uh, did he surprise you at all? And, uh, I mean, he did everything he had to do, obviously, to make this roster with his play. Sometimes you don't want to put too much stock into what happens in spring, but we have it for a reason, so you can evaluate, guys, and clearly he impressed. He did impress. He came in and did exactly what he needed to do to make the team. There was not an obvious roster fit for a guy like Jesus mm -hmm. Aguilar, and he knew that coming in, but we claimed him off of waivers because we were intrigued by the power, contact, combination skill set which you don't see a lot especially for guys who are freely available like that so we took a chance we thought um, there was the potential that if it clicked you could get a, a pretty productive major league hitter certainly he had a great spring 
and uh, he forced his way onto our team, and we're happy about that. He'll get some playing time earlier in the year here, and we'll see if he can bring it forward. That was good. what I was going to ask is a guy that's hot. He wasn't playing every day, obviously, in, in, in spring training, but playing almost every other day at, at the very least. How creative will you guys get to try to keep him in the lineup early to see if he can ride that momentum into the season? I think we're going to have to make sure that he and, and most of our bench options get semi-regular yeah. playing time earlier in the season. It's, it's always a challenge coming out of spring training. These guys, for the most part, as you said, have been playing every other day, two out of three days. And then to go a long stretch and sit at the beginning of the year probably isn't the most productive outcome. So we'll make sure that, that everyone gets their fair share of ABs. It's early in the year giving guys days off. It, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, they're used to that in spring training. So we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that whether it's Jesus or Aaron or Kirk Neuenheis, um, that all these guys are seeing plenty of playing time. You designated Scooter Jeanette for assignment, um, and he was claimed by the Cincinnati Reds. And it was a tough, I'm sure, call for you. But at the same time, this franchise right now is valuing versatility, and, and Scooter is going to probably have a hard time outside of second base getting on the field in any kind of a regular capacity. Really, it came down to a scooter, a guy we just didn't see getting a consistent playing time and consistent plate yeah. appearances at the major league level. And uh, when we got to that point, when we got comfortable with our depth and some of the other options we had in camp, um, it really didn't make sense for, for either us or for a scooter to keep him on our major league team. So we made him available to the other 29 clubs. Um, the Red, Reds stepped up and agreed to assume his contract. And ultimately, I think this is probably the right move for scooter, and, and it allows us to have a more, more coherent roster um, and a roster that works slightly better together. Going to get the first look of Travis Shaw and Eric Thames hitting in Miller Park. It, you know, we talked about getting more balanced in that lineup and, and more left-handed, but it can be a added bonus when they're playing at Miller Park as well with that short portion right. It is. This is a ballpark that plays well for left-handed hitters. It plays well for left-handed fly ball hitters. Both of those mm -hmm. guys do that pretty well. Um, so I imagine they'll hit some balls up in the air that will get out of here. Uh, and and it, it'll, it will be nice to see that balanced lineup. I know there were times last year where we were awfully right-handed. Um, it's just the way our roster shook out last year. We were able to provide a little bit more balance going into the season this year, uh, and I think that will help Craig as he constructs the lineup every single day. David Stern's with us. It's his monthly installment of the David Stern Show as the Brewers are getting ready to set that final roster. Final's a weird word because it's really only final for April 3rd, but set the opening day roster and then continue to work forward uh, to try and be as competitive as possible following April 3rd and that opening day against the Colorado Rockies. David, as we get to the end of spring training, it's not just the end of spring training for the Brewers. It is for everybody else, and so there are some cuts that are made. There's yep. some guys that become available. Carlos Torres is a great example of that a year ago. So how busy is this time for you in terms of keeping your eye on that in case there is a chance to upgrade your club? It's busy for our entire front office. There are There's a lot of player movement. There are a lot of players who are sent down and perhaps have clauses in their contracts that allow them to seek employment with another major league club. There are uh, players who are released. Um, there are players who are out of options, who aren't going to make clubs that, that other teams are looking to trade. So um, there's a good amount of dialogue going on this time of year. Uh, just like with every time of year, it's tough to handicap anything. And it's right. tough to certainly uh, make trades. Um, you need to line up. So we're working through a couple different scenarios um, and we'll see if we get anything done prior to opening day. David, uh, the minor league side this spring, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about it because this extended spring training gave us a great chance to see these guys over on the big league side a little bit more than maybe a typical spring training. And they produced and they performed very well. And so 
clearly there's a lot of enthusiasm yep. about guys like Lewis Brenson and Lucas Ersig. How excited were you to see them? And how much did you have to kind of temper yourself to not get too ahead of yourself with the development of these guys yep. because of the way that they played? It, it was fun for us to see them over there. I think it was fun for them to get that experience, especially some of those guys who were over on, on the major league fields with some regularity. It's a great growing experience for them. It's great for them to get exposure to our major league coaches and our major league staff and, and that environment. Um, from our perspective, we, we feel we have a pretty good handle on where these guys are developmentally. Uh, we think we, we understand what they need to work on. And so it, it's fun for them to get that experience. It, it doesn't change our thought process too much about where they're going to begin the minor league season. couple of questions coming in from Twitter, and then we'll wrap things up. Tate asks about Matt Garza, who is on the 10-day DL, so he will not start the season uh, on the active roster for the Brewers. He wants to know if you've ever given any thought to, to trying him in a seventh or eighth inning role should the starting rotation perform really well right out of the gate. We really do talk about every possibility with every player, whether they're best suited for the bullpen or best suited for the starting rotation. Uh, in the case of someone like Matt, who's a veteran who started throughout his entire career, generally those types of pitchers respond best to staying in the rotation. It's tough to make that adjustment a little bit later in your career. And uh, Matt certainly has a desire to stay in the rotation, so we're going to give him every opportunity to do that. And Jim asks, kind of on the back of what I asked a second ago, with some of the prospects and the way that they performed in spring, you know, what, what are your thoughts on guys like Lewis Brenson and Ryan Cordell that are going to be in AAA in terms of w when do you bring them up here? Is it out of need or is it that they're going to have to force their way onto the roster? It's generally both. There's, there's a lot that goes into prospect promotions. Some is major league need, uh, the, the, the development timeline of the particular player. The good news for both those guys is, is when you talk about players who are on the 40-man roster and in AAA, they're literally one call away. And, and when they prove that they're ready and we have a major league need, we're not going to hesitate to call them up. What do you think from Josh Hader that you want to see over his first seven, eight, nine starts, whatever it may be, at the AAA level? What's the next step in his development in the, in the organization's eyes? So Josh has an electric arm, and he's always had an electric arm, and he's able to, to really dominate minor league hitters relying uh, primarily on his fastball. And there are some pitchers who can do that in the major leagues as well. But what we're hoping to see from, from Josh a little bit more is a more diversity in his approach, trust his off-speed stuff a little bit more. We know he has good off-speed stuff. He just needs to throw it a little bit more. Um, and we think that's going to lead to a little bit more pitch efficiency as well. And he'll be able to get deeper into games, throwing fewer pitches. And that will lend itself to being a major league starter. David, we'll see you on opening day. My pleasure. Thanks. David Stearns, Brewers General Manager, here with his monthly installment of The David Stearns Show. Checking in on the farm. Well, minor league baseball gets underway this week. And on Thursday, most of the minor league teams will be in action as we look at some of the rosters that have now come out and set in the Brewers organization at AAA. Going to be some big names at AAA, some guys with Major League Baseball experience, other guys on their way up that we have big expectations for. Of course, a lot of people talking about that outfield. Lewis Brenson, Ryan Cordell, Brett Phillips, and, and kind of a dark horse guy that has played so well over the last couple of years and performed very well in spring, and that's Kyle Wren. Going to be a stacked outfield in Colorado Springs. You have MLB experience and Yadiel Rivera in the infield, Eric Sogard in the infield, Ivan DeJesus Jr. as well on the infield. And, of course, new acquisition Tyler Heineman going to be one of a couple of catchers in Colorado Springs. Maybe one of the most interesting things is going to be that pitching staff at Colorado Springs. The rotation will be highlighted by lefty Josh Hader, 
and Brandon Woodruff going to start in AAA also. And then that bullpen, you get Michael Blazik, Tyler Cravey, you have Stephen Colshing, Damian Magnifico, Rob Scahill. That could be a really nice bullpen that the Sky Sox run out in the PCL. In Double A, you have a couple of really interesting names. The, that rotation is going to be interesting. Youngster Luis Ortiz, who's one of the top Brewers prospects, right-hander who made some very good noise last year in Double A Biloxi after the Lucroy and Jeffress trade that Ortiz was a part of. He's going to start out in Double A. That's a guy that could get promoted to Triple A at some point this year if he has success like he did last year in Double A. And then you have right-hander Jorge Lopez, who began last year in Triple A struggled, ended up going back to Biloxi, and, and pitched much better down the stretch last year at the AA level. Remember, Lopez, 2015 Southern League Pitcher of the Year, so he's back in the Southern League yet again. And John Perrin, who had a nice year last year in High A Brevard County, he got a late promotion to AA Biloxi. He's going to be in the rotation. And then a reliever out of the pin, left-hander Nick Ramirez. That's going to be very interesting to see how Nick Ramirez does. He has not pitched competitively in five years, but looked very good. He has a great changeup pitching this year in spring training games. Also in that bullpen, Forrest Snow, Tyler Sperlin will be there, and Bubba Derby, who was, of course, acquired in the Chris Davis trade, along with Jacob Nottingham last year before the season began. Position player-wise, you're going to see Jacob Nottingham repeat the double-A level this year after being a 21-year-old, pretty young as a catcher in double-A. He's going to be back there at least to start again in 2017. You'll have Mauricio Dubon, who was acquired in the Tyler Thornburg trade during the winter meetings. He's going to play shortstop for the Shuckers. And Michael Reed, of course, no room for him in AAA. It's a guy that's been called up each of the last two years by the big league club, and he's on the 40-man roster, but he's going to start in AA Biloxi. And you'll have Victor Roach there. Clint Coulter will also be in Biloxi as well. High A, Carolina. This is going to be a loaded Mudcat lineup. You have Trent Clark there. You have Isan Diaz there. You have Jake Gatewood there now. Uh, a guy that you maybe haven't heard a lot about but performed very well last year in Helena and rookie ball. Wes Wilson is going to be there. You'll probably have Corey Ray there once he comes uh, and is ready to start his season as well. So this is going to be a really fun baseball team to watch in 2017. And then on the mound, you're going to have some big-time names pitching for the Carolina Mudcats. Marcus Diplon, Corbin Burns. You're going to have Freddie Peralta, Cody Medeiros, Cody Ponce, all twirling on the mound for the Carolina Mudcats. So this is going to be a really fun and really talented roster. And then in Class A, Wisconsin, uh, some names you need to get yourself familiar with. Gilbert Lara going to be the shortstop for the Timber Rattlers, a guy that really has a ton of power at first base in Ronnie Gideon. Um, that's somebody to keep an eye on with Appleton this year. Monte Harrison trying to have a healthy year, trying to put together a good year. He's going to be back in that outfield, as is Demi Oromoloy. Uh, last year in rookie ball in Helena, Oromoloy gets his first crack at Class A ball this year with the Timber Rattlers. A couple of uh, guys on the mound to keep an eye on. Zachary Brown, that's a young man that has a nice future in front of him. Jordan Desquin did some good things in Helena last year also. So should be fun. Can't wait for the minor league seasons to get underway. It's always fun to keep an eye on the future as you're following the big league club throughout the course of the season. Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player, and 
2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty good job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be uh, your plan. But once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It was... Um, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses, and that's where guys get caught up in uh, trying to do too much. Now for the clubhouse conversation. Corey Knavels, our guest here at Miller Park, and it, it seems weird to say that yesterday was your opening day. It, it didn't feel like yesterday should have been. You've been around for a little bit now, um, especially considering how young this clubhouse is, but it was your first opening day. What was it like? I mean, it was, it was exciting. You know, coming in, uh, I thought it was going to be I guess pretty much the same. You know, I've I've been in these situations before. Last year I was here for opening day, just hurt, and it was, you know, it was an emotional time for me, you know, not being able to be there for opening day. And then this year, I mean, it was it was a dream come true. There was there was nothing like it. You know, I still came in. I had I had butterflies coming out, getting introduced, and then being out in the bullpen for opening day. It was just it was an experience. It was. I remember last year in September, the series in Chicago, and you know it's sellouts, and they're trying to clinch, and and the Brewers have these late inning, high leverage situations, and and able to come out with a victory. And, and and talking about how with a young team that can be a really valuable experience because it's almost a postseason like atmosphere. Opening day is a little bit like that too, where and people are really into it. There's a bunch of people in this ballpark. Do you gain something from getting on the mound in, in a big spot and being able to pitch a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, especially yesterday, that was that was huge. Um, I mean, that was a big moment for me yesterday coming in. Opening day, I mean, that kind of sets the tone, you know, to say for the season. And yesterday I thought we played freaking awesome. Uh, it was a great game. And, uh, you know, coming in yesterday with bases loaded, one out, big, big game on the line right there. Um, you know, it was it was huge um, to perform there and, and get in there, kind of get the bugs out. You know, to know, you know, I guess personally, hey, I'm I'm performing under a lot of pressure right here. This is it. You know, this is this is September. You know, it was um, it, it was it was great to get in there yesterday. Corey, as uh, the season goes along and the bullpen roles start to get defined a little bit, you know, what are your goals? Where do you want to see yourself? Um, you know, I want to see myself basically getting outs. Um, whether whether it's the sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth, you know, I'm just trying right now to to make sure I, I can I can perform under those high pressure situations like that. You know, for for council to put me in there yesterday, it was um, it was huge. I guess for both of us, you know, for me especially, I know that he trusts me, and then for him to see me going there, he knows that he can trust. You know, I, I can trust him. You know, he's going to put me in these situations where, look, it's going to be high pressure, and I need to go out there and perform. That's it. You mentioned last year at the beginning of the year with the injury. That was a tough situation for you to go through because a couple of days before the season, you're sitting there thinking, here it is, let's get this thing going. And then all of a sudden, your season gets delayed, and and it just kind of throws you off probably for a while. Even when you come back, it takes a little bit to settle back in. So how nice is it to kind of hit reset and get a start over in 2017? It's great. Um, You know, it was really really tough for me last year especially getting set back having to go through two spring trainings almost and this year you know I told myself look I'm not letting that happen I'm gonna do whatever I can to stay healthy and um, you know which I wish I would have known earlier in my career um, stay in the training room so that you can stay out and that's kind of how I'm I'm thinking now you know I'm gonna be in the training room be in the weight room doing everything I can to stay healthy make sure everything goes well um, and that's it I mean I'm not I'm not letting that happen again 
What were your foc- What was your focus in the off season beyond what you just talked about in, in terms of taking care of yourself and staying healthy? Were there things that you took into the off season? You said, "I want to improve this when I come back." Yeah, I. Uh, so I know last year I kind of came in a little overweight. Uh, you know, that was all me. I. Uh, I might. You know, I was working out good, but I felt like I didn't run as much as I should have last off season. So this off season, I kind of focused on. Um, I stayed at my high school instead of going back to college to work out. I, I went to my high school and. Um, I talked to my trainers there and my strength coach there. I was like, hey, you know, if I come in, will you be free for me? And they said, we'll always be free. So I was in the training room every day with him. Um, and then I was out on the track running with my strength coach. And, I mean, I was doing everything I could to make sure that I was I was game ready this year. Another uh, former Longhorn that's in, on this team with you is Taylor Youngman. And he had a tough year last year. And he battles back, gets to end it on a better note in September, and then comes in and, and wins the job in the bullpen this year. How proud of him were you? Uh, the way he battled through, you know, some adversity through last year. Yeah, there was, you know, there was a lot that went on for him last year. Um, you know, he had some struggles, and uh, of course, to have him come back, you know, this off season and and battle his battle himself out and 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 win a position. You know, that's kind of it's kind of how we were taught at Texas. You know, we uh, we battle through adversity, and there's a lot that goes on, a lot of stuff that's not going to go your way. And look, you got to get over it. You know, and that's what he did. He didn't let it get to him. He Got over it, went out, acted like nothing happened, worked his way back up, and now he's here in the pen. And, um, you know, I'm glad to see him here. Corey, we appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Here's what's on tap. Here is what's on tap. The Cubs coming to town this weekend. Anthony Rizzo, the division rival Chicago Cubs, tripping up north of 94. This this should be a fun one this weekend. Here's what we have going on promotion-wise. Friday night, student night. That's a 7-10 first pitch. High school and college students can get tickets for just $10. Plus enjoy a special $3 pregame menu. Saturday, a 6-10 start. Sunday, a 1-10 start. That's a kids-eat-free Sunday. All kids 14 and under get a free lunch featuring a hot dog, bottled water, applesauce, and ice cream treat. For tickets, call 414-902-4000 or visit brewers.com. And that is going to do it for us and this week's extended version of Brewers on Tap, episode number 76 in the books. Have a great one, everyone. We'll talk to you again next week. I'm Lynn Grindle. Brewers, Brewers, Brewers.